This podcast is made possible by Workday and U.S. Bank. Hi, this is Bob Cruikshank, the CFO at EasyCater. You are listening to the CFO Thought Leader Podcast. This is episode 448. In between then and the actual spinoff of the hotel group, we sold one portion of the business to European rental business, uh, about a $1 billion transaction. And at the same time, the hotel group acquired La Quinta, a $2 billion transaction. So not only did we have the separation of Wyndham Hotels from what is now Wyndham Destinations, we also had a great acquisition by Wyndham Hotels of La Quinta ends. Um, and, and so from a complexity standpoint, when you look at you know basically four transactions getting done in a matter of eight months, it was highly complex um, and resulted in you know, two great new companies um, with Wyndham Destinations and Wyndham Hotels and Resorts. From Middle Market Media, this is CFO Thought Leader, where we speak to finance leaders about driving change within their organizations. Hi, it's Jack Sweeney. On today's show, we speak to Wyndham Destinations CFO Michael Hug who, in addition to sharing his career journey, shares highlights from the most transformative chapter in Wyndham history. We begin after these words from our sponsor. In a world that's always changing, one thing never does your need to adapt, your need to evolve, your need to grow. That's why we built Workday, a single finance, HR, and planning system that can change as your needs change and evolve as the world evolves. To learn how Workday is helping mid-sized organizations embrace the future with confidence, visit us at Workday.com. Speaking to Mike Hug, CFO of Wyndham Destinations. Mike, welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. So, as always, we ask our guests to begin by identifying those experiences they feel prepared them for a finance leadership role. Mike, what comes to mind for you? Well, I think there's a couple of things when I look back over my career. First of all, I started in public accounting in the late 80s in the, the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and that was a very interesting time for financial institutions, which happened to be a number of clients of mine. And in that opportunity, I think I got to see um, both large and small organizations react to uh, difficult times in very different ways. And it just very clearly laid out for me how important it is to have the right leadership in place to um, weather a storm when it comes your way, to be decisive in the actions that you, th- that you take and provide you know, great leadership to the organization to um, help you get through the times that are tough and how do you get to the right spot so that you end up on the other side in a better better spot. Um, that was probably the first thing. had a similar situation back in 2008 with the company that I'm with where because of the economic downturn, we had to make some pretty significant changes to the size of the organization and the way we run the organization and had the opportunity to watch some leaders be very decisive in their actions. Um, and really uh, take, take the lead in terms of 
making the right decisions for the business, being very assertive and confident in those decisions, and then once those decisions are being made, not swaying one way or the other, but sticking on the path that you've set forth, making that direction very clear to the organization so that they know where they're headed and everybody can jump on board and help get to the right spot at the end of the day. You continue uh, to build your career 19 years within the same company, different chapters for that company, clearly. Uh, And finally, you step into the CFO role. You've had time to prepare. You've had time to reflect on the leaders that came before you, um, many of which perhaps have mentored you. What would you tell us about the role that you then wanted to create for yourself? Well, I think, um, you know, when I thought about the role, I definitely wanted to create an organization that um, is, is a great resource to the business. Didn't want the team to be just a bunch of people that come in and count the money and deposit in the bank, but rather wanted them to be embedded in the business, have a great relationship with the business leaders, and help them be effective in helping the organization achieve its goals. So some, you know, some uh, uh, people on the team that once again were, were able to communicate, able to talk with the business leaders, and really embed them in the business. Now. Did you have to add some new skills to the team? Have you reorganized finance since you, you've been there and advanced into the role more deeply? It definitely had to um, create the team in a number of ways. The, the role that I'm currently in as CFO of Wyndham Destinations was the result of us spinning off our sister company, Wyndham Hotels and Resorts. Most of the leadership team went to Wyndham Hotels and Resorts, so that's how I became the, the CFO for what is now Wyndham Destinations. As a result, um, I had to bring in new leadership as it relates to the investor relations role, the treasury role, um, a chief accounting officer, a senior auditor, run a corporate audit team. So it gave me a great opportunity to go out, find a great talent, and look for that skill set that I mentioned where I could find individuals that really had that ability to relate to the business, communicate with the business, and then help drive us um, in the right direction. Now, can you give us the quick shorthand history on this, this spin-out chapter, which is a which is a fairly recent chapter, is that correct? That's correct. So previous to that, we were part of a company called Wyndham Worldwide. Wyndham Worldwide was made up of three businesses. Um, one was Wyndham Hotels and Resorts. The other was Wyndham Vacation Ownership. And the third was RCI Exchange Company. As a result of the spinoff, we spun off Wyndham Hotels and Resorts, and we took Wyndham Vacation Ownership and RCI, a timeshare exchange company, and combined them to form Wyndham Destinations. That spinoff was announced last August and became effective on June 1st of this year. So Wyndham Destination now is a standalone world's largest timeshare and exchange company since June 1st. We've had finance leaders frequently tell us about their uh, initial public offerings. We've had finance leaders talk about uh, doing large acquisitions. Uh, But these types of spin-out transactions are are sort of in a class by themselves at times. And I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit about the leadership challenges that must be addressed when you're, you're spearheading these types of transactions. They are just so complex, so involving. Definitely very involved. This one especially so because there were a couple of components that I didn't mention. As I mentioned, this was um, announced in August of 2017. In between then and the actual spinoff of the hotel group, we sold one portion of the business, the European rental business, uh, about a $1 billion transaction. And at the same time, the hotel group acquired La Quinta, a $2 billion transaction. So not only did we have the separation of Wyndham Hotels from what is now Wyndham Destinations, we also had a great acquisition by Wyndham Hotels of La Quinta Inns. 
Um, and, and so from a complexity standpoint, when you look at, you know, basically four transactions came down in a matter of eight months, it was highly complex um, and resulted in, you know, two great new companies um, with Wyndham Destinations and Wyndham Hotels and Resorts. You were there 19 years. You've lived through so many other business transaction deals, different types of visions that might have been, um, you know, that, that the management may, may have had in the past and how things actually happened and evolved. This latest chapter, put it in perspective for us as to if you were to look back at this 20 years from now. I'm, no, I'm trying to get to the point that this seems to be one of the foremost evolutionary periods that you've been part of this company. No doubt. It really is, especially for Wyndham Destinations. If you go way back when I started with the company 19 years ago, we were part of a company called Senate Corporation, which had Avis Budget, had real estate companies, obviously had Wyndham Hotels, Wyndham Vacation Ownership, and RCI. We spun off from them back in 2006, and we really thought that was a new beginning for us, now just being at that time a pure play hospitality company. But now when we look at the next step that we've taken, to your point, Wyndham Hotels is now off on their own. Wyndham Destination is a huge generator of free cash flow. Previous to the spinoff, that cash flow would go up to Wyndham Worldwide, the parent company, and because of the higher multiples they would get on the hotel side of business, the desire was, for the most part, to invest that free cash flow in growing the um, franchise hotel business. You've got a higher multiple from your investors. So what this new opportunity allows Wyndham Destinations to do is to keep the five to $600 million in free cash flow we generate each year and to put that to work to help grow the timeshare business and the exchange business to accelerate our growth and provide great value to shareholders. And meanwhile, I, just to think of your finance team, whereas the uh, destinations might have kept, uh, I would imagine, uh, the wealth of the talent and the organization remained intact, other parts of the, uh, the organization or, or some of the spinouts had to rebuild and, and, uh, and, and create its, uh, their own independent finance functions in some respect. Yes. No, there's no doubt that, to your point, um, a large portion of the talent stay with Wyndham Hotels and Resorts because that was located up in New Jersey, and that's where our corporate headquarters were previously located. Therefore, to your point, down here in Orlando, we've had to bring in talent, um, once again, a talent that is needed to run a separate public company, but also gave a number of people within our organization that are also very talented the chance to step up, take on new opportunities, and demonstrate that they're ready to take the, the next step from being just a subsidiary of a public company to being a big part of the um, actual public company. So I would say the energy around Wyndham Destination is pretty incredible right now by the fact that we feel we you know, more, more clearly control our own destiny, and uh, that, that that's, uh, resounds pretty clearly across all the organization. Now, can you tell us what about your day-to-day -day a little bit? And the, the question we like to ask here is, is, well, what are the metrics that you're looking at before your first cup of coffee in the morning? The thought is that uh, this will help reveal to us What's top of mind for you these days? What would you share with us? Sure. There's, there's a couple of primary drivers. We, we do $2 billion in sales of vacation ownership every year. So um, one of the first reports I look at every morning is the sales report. In that sales report, we get two key numbers. The first of all would be tour flow, which is really the lifeblood of this business, the way we make a sales. We go out. We've got great marketing programs. We bring guests to our resorts, and then we demonstrate to them the value of timeshare as far as a great way to take vacation. So I look at that tour flow, um, and then I look at the volume per guest, which is a measure of for every tour that we see, what's the average amount of timeshare that we sell to them. And that's really a measure of efficiency in terms of how efficient are we of converting a tour into an owner. So those are really the two key drivers that I look at on the Wyndham Vacation Ownership side of business. 
on the RCI exchange side of business, the two big drivers are our member base, 3.9 million members, clearly the largest in the industry. So that member count's important, but just as important, how often are we getting those members to convert, basically to take their ownership and transact and exchange into another property somewhere around the world? So those are really the two key metrics I look at first thing every morning. We've been speaking increasingly to finance leaders about non-financial metrics, particularly when they relate to the customer, I suppose. Has uh, non-financial metrics, have they become a more important part of your everyday mix of metrics? They, they definitely are. I mean, when you look at the world today, right, it's all about that and understanding um, your consumers. So we look at travel habits. A big part of our business is when we're in a market like in Orlando or Las Vegas, we do marketing to inbound guests into those destinations. So we'll look at travel habits um, into the popular vacation destinations. Also, on a worldwide standpoint, we have a great operation down in Australia. Um, and then on the RCI side of the business, definitely an international company. So you also have to look at, you know, the macroeconomic conditions in um, international locations as well. But the consumer confidence is something we watch very closely, and people's uh, travel habits are, are very helpful to us in terms of understanding our business and where we're going with it. So we always like to ask uh, for a, what we call a finance strategic moment, and this is, a, you know, an aha moment where – as a finance leader, given the lines of sight that you enjoy into the organization, you identified a risk or an opportunity, um, and it could be, it might have been in the last 18 months, it might have been 12 years ago. Does anything come to mind? And I'm sure you've had plenty of them, Mike, but what would you? What comes to mind when I ask for a finance strategic moment? Well, I think there's, there's been a number of them, to your point, um, but, but I guess I would say it's not something that um, – there are several of them that stand out, but most importantly, um, because my team does work very closely with the business, I would say we have those very regularly where, you know, we have someone that comes to us on my finance team, for example. We have a $3.6 billion consumer portfolio, and we finance about 75% of our transactions. So my consumer finance team works very closely with the business, and if we see things that are happening with the consumer, like back in 2008, basically you had sub-600 or some prime lending, which became very unpopular in the capital markets. So almost overnight, we had to eliminate about 15% of our business because it was just financing uh, to sub-600 FICOs. And so my consumer finance team worked very closely with the business on the marketing side to come up with a solution for eliminating those channels from our tour sources because we didn't have the ability to find, provide them financing. And it, it's things like that where the team is really working with the business every day. And to your point, some, some moments are bigger than others. But having them work with the business every day really helps you continuously drive value rather than just at, at that aha moment. Our interview with Mike Hug continues. But first, we're going to share a leadership minute with you uh, where I do sort of on-the-spot short interviews with different executives at some of the industry conferences out there this fall. Here's a recent one. Hello, we're attending AFP's annual conference in Chicago this week, and we're pleased to catch up with Bob Sneed, Vice President of Corporate Payments for WEX. Bob, hello. Hello, Jack. It's good to catch up with you, as always. When it comes to corporate payments, Bob, what should CFOs keep top of mind in 2019? Jack, we are finding that CFOs are shocked when it comes to taking a closer, deeper dive look at the AP process. Across the spectrum of your AP file, 
as you peel back the layer of onion, you will begin to see that we're paying some suppliers at an accelerated level and not receiving a discount while extending terms on others with no rational direction as to why that decision was ever made. We recommend that CFOs take immediate action to take a look across their entire AP process, determine which suppliers they want to accelerate payment on, and negotiate a discount. Leveraging the virtual account numbers, leveraging ACH with a discount, and then for those that remain on a manual payment method, let's push those out to 45 or 60 days. This way we can optimize cash flow while optimizing the discount potential of the entire process. That's what we're seeing today, Jack, with some of the CFOs in the marketplace, is that this has been an area that's it's been neglected, but it's an opportunity to really change the dynamic of how they're running their operations. Okay, that's our Thought Leader Minute. Bob Sneed, thank you. Thank you, Jack. Mike, we're going to uh, shortly enter what we refer to as our mentoring round. Uh, but first, I, I, wanted to, I want to look back again, and I want to ask you a little bit about your career, uh, which largely has been based, I guess you mentioned Dallas earlier, but largely Orlando. Is that right? Yeah, I joined Wyndham back in 1999. Actually, I was, uh, moved from Dallas back to Arkansas at that time and then re- relocated down to Orlando in 2001. So, yes, yeah, been down here for um, 17 years now. So part of what we like to do is sort of try to shed light on decision-making as it relates to careers. Too often, I think, we focus on uh, changing jobs or career, uh, you know, jumping from one company to another. Sometimes the right decision is staying put. And uh, there's little doubt recruiters have called. I'm sure there were opportunities in the past, but you stayed. What in your decision-making allowed you to, to say, no, I'm, I'm going to stay here. We're happy. Yeah, I think there were several things over the 19 years. First of all, it's a great place to work. I absolutely love the, the people that I work with. We have a great organization. Um, I love what we do, putting people on vacation. I just love going out to the properties and seeing people take great vacations. And my family has used our product for the 19 years that I've been with the company. And um, so, you know, when you wake up every morning and are excited about what you do, um, it makes it easy to stay for 19 years. Along the way, I've been fortunate the company has continued to grow. And as the company's grown, I've had great opportunities along the way. So it's a combination of loving the company I work for. Our leadership team works very well together. We have a great deal of respect for each other. We're definitely able to sit down and have the, the, the hard conversations and make the right decision for the business, which means at times, you know, everybody won't like the decision. But when we leave that room, we all run the same play. And that's very powerful. And that creates an organization that's very successful. And, and when you're successful, um, you're going to like what you're doing. But it's a great product a great company, and, and I've had uh, some wonderful opportunities along the way. Were there mentors there for you? How did you develop into, uh, you know, a, a leader over time? And I'm wondering if, if Wyndham has a mentoring program for, for promising executives. Uh, did you uh, participate in, in maybe some outside finance organizations? Anything like that? Uh, were they part of your story? I mean, I definitely had some mentors. What, what was great was um, when we part, were part of Syndic Corporation, they were an entity that was run basically by a bunch of gentlemen that had, had come from investment banking. So very much appreciated the finance um, side of the house and the value that finance could bring in terms of making decisions. And what that allowed me to do was to, one, learn from some very smart individuals about how to use 
financial information the right to, to make the right business decision. And then because of the rest of the business saw that, hey, finance is an important aspect of what we do. It's how we make decisions. That allowed me to um, take advantage of opportunities that I would say in a lot of other places finance people sometimes don't have because we were a finance-led organization, and therefore um, you had a seat at the table along the way and were able to provide input. Now you've got to create the relationships with you know your, your fellow coworkers on the business side so that they will learn to respect the, the information that you bring to the table. But the former CEO of Wyndham Worldwide, a gentleman named Steve Holmes, came from the investment banking side of the business. And so having the opportunity to, to work for him, to watch how he operates, um, and to be honest, to be able to, to call him and ask him questions was invaluable to me in terms of um, knowing how to use the information the right way and knowing how to create those relationships in a respectful way so that when you did sit down at the table with everybody else, they respected your opinion and knew that, you know, the intention was to take the business to the right level. Okay, this is a great uh, segue for us uh, to our mentoring round where I'm just going to ask you several quick questions intended to uh, help mentor and inspire future finance leaders. What's exciting you about finance and business today? I would say, that, you know, so much – information out there today and, and, and decisions are really based on that. If you go back 15 years ago, a lot of times it was a lot more on instinct and because you didn't have as much data as you have today. So today with all the data you have, um, you really once again have, have an opportunity to make a difference to take that information, whether your point is business drivers, financial drivers, whatever it might be, and, and educate the rest of the organization on here's the information we have, here's what's telling us. Here's where it can lead us if we make the right decision. So um, definitely an exciting time um, if you have the ability to mine that data and use it in the right ways. All right. We know that every uh, leader who enters their office for the first time, when they look back, there's maybe some piece of information they wish they had as they entered a CFO role for the first time. Anything you care to share? What do you wish someone had told you? You know, it would probably be just to, to create relationships early in your career and, and draw on those relationships. I think when you think about accounting people, finance people, oftentimes they're a little more introverted. And I think about all the people that I've met along the way that I could have learned more from. I obviously had the opportunity to learn a lot from them, and I did. But, you know, having those relationships and, and learning from everybody you meet, whether on the finance side of the house or, you know, the sales and marketing side of the house or the technology side of the house, you know, absorb as much information you can from everybody you meet along the way because at some point you'll realize how valuable that information is to you and you'll realize, you know, how much um, uh, you can learn from them that will help you make uh, the right decisions along the way. But just absorb every every chance you get to uh, meet with experienced people and, and create those relationships so you can call on them when, when you need to um, and when you need help. And you'll find most people, at least I found, is, you know, they love to help people succeed. You're, you're you know, you're, you're great leaders one of the reasons that they're great leaders is because they do help. And so if you call and ask for help, um, they're usually more more than uh, uh, open to, to giving you advice and helping you make the right decision. Is there a book you'd recommend to aspiring finance leaders? There is, as a matter of fact. So as I mentioned, I uh, joined or got the, the role as a CFO public company back on June 1st. And not long after that, um, a gentleman recommended a book to me. It's called The Outsiders. It's by a gentleman named William Thorndike. But the uh, kind of the subtopic is it's called Eight Unconventional CEOs and Their Radically Rational Blueprint for Success. But just a great book on capital allocation, how to run a business in a disciplined way to drive the right results for the organization. And in the book, you'll see that they didn't every, always do everything in a traditional way, 
but they were de very disciplined in how they operated their companies and how they allocated capital. We asked Mike Hug for his 12-month finance leader priorities after these words from our sponsor. The business landscape is changing quickly. As the pressure to manage expenses efficiently and strategically increases, you need solutions that not only help drive down costs and improve efficiencies, but meet the changing needs of your business. At U.S. Bank, we can help. We'll work with you to uncover your specific payment challenges and bring you proactive and innovative solutions and strategies that help you meet the financial goals of your organization. Our commitment to doing the right thing for our customers has earned us the designation of one of the world's most ethical companies from the Ethisphere Institute for six years in a row. To learn more, visit us at usbpayment.com. Okay, we're going to ask our final question. Over the next 12 months, what are your priorities as a finance leader? So we've set out a great uh, investment strategy for Wyndham Destination. Myself and Mike Brown, our CEO, have been on the road since the middle of May talking about the great value that we can drive to shareholders. So my goal over the next 12 months is to make sure we stay on chart to deliver those results as a new public company with new CEOs and CFOs, first time as a public company executives for both of us, it's very important for us to you know create credibility and a great track record right out of the gate. We've had two first uh, quarters that were very solid. The results were, were, were great. We returned a lot of capital to shareholders in a short period of time. So um, we just need to stay that course to build up confidence both within our company and with our investor base that, um, you know, this is a great place to be and the future's bright, and let's uh, let's lead the organization to, uh, to great places. Mike Hug, thank you for joining us on CFO Thought Leader. Thank you. Hello, listeners. Do us a favor. Be certain to subscribe to CFO Thought Leader on Apple Podcasts, or if you're an Android user, check us out on Spotify or Google Play. If you like the show, please recommend it to a friend. Oh, and by the way, the CFO Yearbook 2021 Print Edition debuts on Amazon this quarter, featuring 100 profiles of finance leaders from our 2020 season. Would you like to learn more about our CFO guests? Order the CFO Yearbook 2021. Thank you for supporting our efforts to bring you career journeys of CFOs driving change. We'll be back with another episode very soon. Thank you for listening.